know we just prayed, but to me it's appropriate to pray again. So would you please join me? Father, thank you so much for this day which you've made. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you more so for the gift of eternal life, which has benefit right now and also in the day to come where that JP referenced when we will stand before you and without you, we will be incomplete. But we thank you so much that through Jesus, we will be able to stand because we are in him. So thank you so much, Lord. I pray that you will please be with me. I pray that you would help me to decrease and that you would increase. I pray that your word would come across with clarity and passion. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, propel us in the areas of uh, care that we need to be propelled in uh, this morning, Lord, and throughout uh, the coming days, weeks, months, years even, Lord. Uh, Father, we ask you that anything that is said in, in, in error, Lord, we pray against that even happening, Lord. But if that should happen, we pray that um, those words would fall to the ground and not even to lodge in people's minds. But we do pray that your word as it is accurately communicated, that not only would it lodge in minds, but that it would move hearts, feet, hands, and the rest of the body to care as you do, because you care through us. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Uh, as you should recall, we are in a series. Uh, you shouldn't recall it because I don't think I told you what the name of it is. So I'm going to tell you now that the name of the series is The Call to Care. Um, and uh, by way of review, our key passage that we're going to keep in mind throughout is 2 Corinthians verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, which read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comforts. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction. Through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also Christ, through Christ rather, our comfort overflows. As we uh, move forward, we will use the words comfort and care synonymously. Comfort is usually going to be uh, in reference to God, what God does and what scripture says. Uh, but comfort is relief in affliction, consolation or solace. Uh, care is the provision of what is needed for the well-being or protection of a person or a thing. Um, need, obviously, we know what need is, uh, but, but, um, but I'm just going to mention it uh, just for clarity's sake. This is the provision of that which is necessary for the well-being of a person or a thing. Some of the foundational uh, uh, observations about this passage is that the care that the comfort that we have received from the Lord is what fuels our ability to care for one another um, because we've experienced God as the father of mercies, as the God of all comfort in our own affliction. Then we in turn not only are able to uh, execute care, but also recognize the need for care in others. The comfort that we have received verse the back half of verse four expands our capacity to care for others. So it says that, uh, verse 4 says, he comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction. 
So our capacity to care for others, um, obviously none of us is infinite, so there are going to be limitations, but our capacity expands because we've received care from God. So God, he fuels that capacity. He widens and expands that capacity so that in a growing way, we can care for people who are in any kind of affliction. Our care is counted as Christ's care. Right. So later on in Second Corinthians uh, chapter five, Paul is going to talk about how how God makes his appeal to others through us. In similar fashion, God cares for people. He comforts people through his people. Verse five says, for just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ, our comfort overflows. So our comfort the comfort that we share, it goes through Christ and it expresses Christ-likeness to others. The contextual observation. Why, why are we talking about this as a church? We're talking about it because we see, we observe. If you're not a member here, I'm, I apologize for this because you don't, you don't see it. You won't be aware of this. But um, we see increasing opportunities to care within our church. Not only have we experienced um, a, a, a season where uh, we've seen death in our church uh, in such a, uh, at such a rate that I haven't seen in my 20-some years as one of the pastors here. Um, but we've also seen like an uptick in diagnoses that are severe diagnoses for members of our church, as well as people investigating whether or not the symptoms they are having is indicative of such a diagnosis. So what do we do? Well, we need to care. But care is not just something that's an emotion. It's an action. And it's an action that has skill associated with it. So if we don't think about how to care, if we don't, if we're not intentional, if we don't learn not only through experience, but if we don't consider how to care, we will not be skillful in caring. When it's all said and done, we're going to look at how to care for those who have, have ongoing mental challenges, those who have ongoing physical challenges, those who are terminally ill, and those who are seriously ill, but it's a temporary situation. But this morning, our focus is going to be on caring for the poor. Scripture clues us in that God's care for the poor builds uh, of God's care for the poor when he builds into the Mosaic law and the way that his people is supposed to care for each other um, in Leviticus chapter 19 verses 9 and 10 when it says this to people who have uh, crops and people who have farms it says when you reap the harvest of your land so it's not everybody's land it's your land your land you are not to reap to the very edge of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not strip the vineyard bare or gather its fallen grapes. Leave them for the poor and the resident alien. I am the Lord, your God. So we see that God has a care for the poor that, that expresses itself through, <laughs> through the person who has means, has a farm, has land, that they're not even supposed to take everything on their land. They're supposed to, in what was going on with Israel, they're supposed to 
not reap to the very edge. They're supposed to not strip their vineyards. They're supposed to leave something behind for someone in need. Proverbs 14.31 says, The one who oppresses the poor person insults his maker, but the one who is kind to the needy honors him. Him who? The poor? No. Honors God, his maker. So our, our care for the poor is not even primarily about the poor. Our care for the poor is primarily about God. That's why our, our base verse is that 2 Corinthians, because we all have received something from God. We all have the breath of life this morning, and that's not something that we can control. Your alarm clock may have seemed to have woken you up this morning, but it did not. God woke you up this morning. Your ability to move as you've always moved, I can't move as I've always moved without some pain sometimes, probably from being on that court and breaking ankles back in the day, the day, the day, back in the day. Now my knee, when I go down them steps, it's like, oh, what's that little? Sorry, all right, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, man, go ahead. But I felt it, ah, little tinge. Well, well, that is going to happen. So if you don't have that, you should thank God that you don't have that yet. Because I'm in relatively, I'm in okay shape. I do need to exercise, but I'm in okay shape for, for my age. But this wasn't only a New Testament concept for in Galatians chapter 2. Um, it's alluding to Acts chapter 15 where Paul is giving an account of his, his gospel ministry. And, and there the, the church in Jerusalem, uh, they basically gave him the thumbs up. And he re, he's, has this in mind where he, in uh, Galatians 2, 9 and 10, where it says, uh, when James Cephas which is Peter and John, those recognized as pillars, acknowledged the grace of God that had been given to me. They gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised or the Jews. Look, they asked only that we would remember the poor, which I had made every effort to do. Notice that we aren't just to take note that there are poor, or to only remember the poor, but we are, as Paul says, to exert effort to assist the poor, who Jesus said um, when he was being uh, 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 anointed for his death, he told his disciples who were worried about the money that was, that was, that was in their opinion, wasted on pouring uh, perfume out on him. He said, the poor you have with you always. So it's not just that we're supposed to acknowledge that the poor exist. But we're to exert effort to assist the poor. Poor means to have little or no money, goods, or other means of support. Or it means to be deficient or lacking in something specific. Scripture goes on to tell us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, that as we have opportunity, we are to work for the good of all, especially of those who belong to the household of faith. So we're going to begin to think about in greater depth and with more focus what it looks like to care for the poor in our midst and what it looks like to care for the poor who are not in our midst. Those in our community, but at, from time to time, you know, in our, in our church, there, there hasn't been a lot of poor people, but sometimes we hit times where we need 
assistance. So let's look and see what the church, the early church, did, what it looked like. Most of you are probably familiar with Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. That's what we're going to look at. And just look at what, look at what you see here. Those who responded to the gospel are the they. In verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now, all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joy and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So along with the salvation came a demonstration of the salvation where people would bring um, uh, money, and, and proper, they would sell their property, and they would make sure that everyone was taken care of. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 32 through 35 says, uh, another snapshot of what the church looked like then was, it says, now the entire group of those who believed were of one mind and heart, one heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles... The apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on, them, was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. Now, a few qualifications. This is what the early church looked like. Uh, we're not advocating, just so you know, we're not advocating that you sell uh, your house. I just moved into a new house three weeks ago, um, so I'm not, uh, you know, advocating that a person like me just go and sell their house, even though, you know, it's a great, it's been a great time to sell. Um, but um, we're not, we're not advocating that. We're, we're, we're not, we're too far into redemptive history to have seen abuses to even take that on for ourselves. So we would, we, we, no, that's not what we're saying. Um, we're not saying that, that you, um, that we do not, just so you know, if you're a new member here or if you're a person considering membership here, we do not, even though we have the ability to do this, but we have never looked and see like, okay, what does uh, Bill Johnson give to the church? Uh, did um, Susan Jones, like what does she give? We, we, don't, we don't do that either. Uh, we do believe that people are supposed to give to the church. We've never, in my time of being on staff here, ever had a time where we needed to remind because people weren't giving. We might remind in a context like this where it's talking about, uh, you know, the, the church giving of itself to take care of itself, but, but we've not been um, a church that's done that, and we won't be a church like that as long as the Pastors who you have now are still pastors here. Now, we do believe, though, that the principle is that we are supposed to look out for the needy among us. 
we, that seems very clear. How you go about it, they're selling their possessions. That's the way they went about accumulating the funds to be able to take care of each other. We live in a prosperous country. Even our poor are not considered poor in third world countries because they have access to help. So we, so I remember, okay, the context of our poverty is different, but it's still a context for our poverty. So we have to respond to that. We don't have people come and like uh, <laughs> lay whatever they're giving at our feet. Now, there are some churches that do that, but we're not one of those churches. Never have been again. As long as you got a passage you have now, never will be. But we believe in looking out for one another. And so that's why when the pandemic happened and people were texting and calling and was like, hey, Pastor Mike, is there anyone who has need? There were only a few times when people were in need. But my goodness, how encouraging as a pastor that without without saying anything, without saying, you know, the pandemic has hit really hard. We have a few people out of work. Not even having to do that. People of their own accord, their own move of God, because they know they know about what this scripture says. They know that the church is supposed to take care of its own as they have ability. So they want to increase the ability of the church to care for those who may be in need because need seems to be on the uprise. That was at the beginning of the pandemic. And we were able to help the few members who came that had need, not out of our regular giving, but because those people even when told, hey, you know what, right now there's no one who has need that we know of, but obviously anything can happen. If you want, still want to give, um, we can just put it aside so that when someone comes and asks, we'll have it ready for them. And that's how we responded. But we were able to respond more easily because you responded. You responded to the care that you received, the comfort you received from God yourself, and you thought, you know what? One of my brothers or sisters, or a few of them, may be in need. Let me make sure our church is positioned to help them. So thank you. Thank you. And some of you may have been thinking that, about helping, offering to help, but you didn't hear of a need, but you were still thinking that way, and you didn't communicate it because you didn't hear a need, thank you for your heart anyway. Thank you for thinking in that way. It, it's biblical, right? So the word of God, verse 33 or 4, it, it's moving forward with power. They're giving testimony to, to um, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's great grace on them, and one of the ways that you see the grace at work is that there's not a needy person among them. There's not a homeless person among them. There's not a hungry person among them. And there shouldn't be among the members of Solid Rock Church either. I want to encourage you because I think the area of of serving for the poor is one, serving the poor, excuse me, is one in which we excel. I heard, and I'm glad it, that I providentially um, had a brief conversation with the claps 
as they came in this morning because um, I signed up to do something that it ended up I wasn't able to do. And that was to help the Henshaws pack. But from what I heard, I wasn't even missed. At 9 o'clock, 20 people were there. By the time it was all said and done, about 40 people were there to help them pack up. Now, if, that, if you don't recognize the grace of God in that, um, you, 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 you need new eyes. You need new eyes. I remember when I moved into uh, my old neighborhood, I, I don't remember how many people helped me move, but I met one of my neighbors later on. And when I met them, they're like, I said, yeah, you know, I live at uh, 5323. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 we know the house. You're the one that had an army of people help you move. <laughs> so people are watching. People see. It's not that anybody's trying to impress people. No, we're just being who we are. But there's something about when God moves that people recognize something different is going on. And so even though they may not be able to, to qualify what that is, they still take note, and maybe the, the, the blanks are filled in later. So for them, the blanks was, oh, yeah, that was my church, because I wanted them to know. It wasn't just like I'm popular or, or whatever. No, no, it's my church cares about me. So I'm moving, and they want to help me. The Henshaws need help packing. We care about them, so we show up. I didn't show up because I had to get ready for the funeral that was happening at 12 here. That's why people were asking about, hey, someone might have need. We want to give. That's why we do meal trains. Meal trains are when you sign up to, to, to provide meals for a family that's sick or a family that just uh, had a new addition to the family or, 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 or whatever. Whatever the case may be, they need a meal train. We're like, okay, we, we, we can do that. See, a small thing. And my, my wife is one who uh, I, I mentioned, I alluded to this when a question was asked last week. But my wife is one who um, just naturally will try to do everything on her own. So when we first, I don't remember which child it was because we, we have five. Um, they're not kids anymore, but they still are children. Um, so I remember when, when we first became members here and they were like, hey, do, do you want meals? And so I think, I, I don't remember if she said no, but eventually she took, she took advantage of it. And then she took note of how much of a relief it was not to have to fix dinner. Now, mind you, I could have fixed dinner, but it would have been hot dogs, uh, you know, fried bologna, you know, stuff that you did when you was like growing up as a latchkey kid, some peanut butter and jelly, some, 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 some butter bread, maybe throw, throw a little bit of sugar on it, maybe some cinnamon, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, yeah, some oodles and noodles, you know, just, you know. Um, yeah, I'm reminding some people of how they grew up. I mean, it's great times, right? But, but when you just had a baby, you, you're not trying to eat all that. And plus, we're very much health conscious now. So all the noodles and noodles and hot dogs and all that now, it's like, man, people are not trying to get that. You know what I'm saying? If it's not organic, they're not having it. You know what I'm saying? But through our and your efforts, the mercy of God is felt and is demonstrated <coughs> Excuse me, in the church as it ought to be. Because the church 
is the entity that displays the multifaceted wisdom of God on this earth and to the powers that are in the cosmos. So they see. Remember, remember what uh, Pastor, I, I can't remember which message this was, but remember when Pastor Kerr was talking about Job and he talked about how Satan, uh, when he was, when God said, have you considered Job? And, and Satan was like, well, man, he's only serving you because you're looking out for him. Caring for other people, especially sacrificially, shows that it's not all about you and your needs. It shows that, you know what, I'm willing to lay something down to serve someone else. So that in and of itself makes a statement. Even to the devil himself. That, oh, it's not about just about what I need, having my needs met. But I can, I can sacrifice. I can go out of my way. I can wake up early. I can help even though it looks like maybe my help isn't needed. I still want to help because I want God's care to be demonstrated through me. See, the Father's mercy and his comfort, they are on blast through our care. On blast. For all to see, oh, that was you with the army. Yeah, it was my church. See, in no place ought the mercy and comfort of God be more evident than the church. So that's why we care for each other. But we also have others around us. We have people there's this brother I, 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 I've seen probably for years now. I, I, when I see him, he's on um, can't remember the road name right now um, because it might change at Route One. But anyway, he's at he's on he's on 410, and he's sometimes he's right at the corner of 410 and Route One. Sometimes he's up a little further closer to PG Mall. And he's, he's a rough-looking brother. He's a rough-looking brother. I'll say that. And I remember I saw him asking for money like the first time, and I was like, he looks so rough. Man, I ain't giving him no money, man. I ain't giving him. But I kept seeing him. And so eventually, I saw that he talks to himself. And then eventually I saw that sometimes he, it's like he's trying to catch something and he's doing like this when he's talking. Now, I don't know this brother's need. I never had, had a conversation with him. He doesn't have a sign. He's not very articulate because I've given him money before. I don't even think he says thank you. But it's obvious that something's wrong with this man. And it's obvious that, well, I'm not going to get into all of what he needs because I, 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 I know better than to do that. But I know that I can help him out a little bit. In faith towards God, who knows what this man has need of. I'm not sure how he's going to use the money. I don't always say something every time that I, I give people money. It's not like I'm giving them enough to like do anything crazy with, well, unless he combines it with all the other money he might get. But I'm not worried about that. I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm honoring this poor man for you. 
I want to read a passage that we're all very familiar with just to help give us some consideration for the poor that we don't know. I mean, it's, it should be natural for you, and, 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 and I know that it is because I said I moved three weeks ago. Ever since I said I was moving, people were like, hey, let me know if you need anything. Let me know if you need Let me know. And it's like, you know what? I'm one of those people who does not like to uh, be involved in something and sit around and have people helping me and then I not do anything to participate. But that's exactly what I was trying to do through this move. I wasn't really trying to participate in like moving stuff. So I was like, I can't have my brothers and sisters be like coming to help me. And I'm like, yeah, man, uh, I'll be sitting right here. Put that right there. Do this. <laughs> I, I can. So we hired movers and we that was our plan uh, the whole time. And so, um, you know, we packed us up, unpacking. Um, it's going great. We're almost where we need to be. We're in a better place than we've been, I think, at this time. <laughs> the other times we moved, which has been a lot. Um, but it's natural to care for those that you know. It's, it's, it wouldn't make sense if you didn't care for those that you don't know. Offer, hey, if you need anything, let me know. But it can be more difficult, as I mentioned, for my brother giving him money, even though he's not my brother, but I don't even know his name. But it, it's, it's different, right? It's, I don't know what he's going to do. Even with some people I do give money to, I just say, hey, please do not do anything wrong with it because the only reason I'm giving you this money is because I serve the Lord. Before that, I wouldn't give you anything. And so sometimes people get into a little conversation with me. Sometimes they'd be like, all right, man, no, I won't do it. And then I I don't know what they do. I don't stand around and look. um, But because I think I've done my part when I've said what I said. Um, But when it comes to caring for the poor, the place where I am is, as I have ability, I'm going to help. Um, I'm not going to investigate the reasons why they're poor. I'm going to respond to the opportunity to serve them. And this, this passage in Matthew chapter 25 is one that helps inform that mentality. Beginning in verse 31, very familiar passage and I'd like to say about this passage that um, it, is not, it is not a parable. Um, so it can't, can't be stated that this is a parable. And I want to, if you have your Bible, I want to uh, show, you, show you why. I want to set it up a little bit. Um, so, you know, Jesus in, in verse 1, we're going to start at 31, but in verse 1, he's, he's trying to help people to understand what the kingdom of heaven will be like. So in verse 1, he starts talking about uh, that it will be like the ten virgins, right? Then in verse 14, um, he says, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey. It what? The kingdom of heaven. But then in verse 31, he doesn't say that the kingdom of heaven is like this or that it will be like that, but he just straight up begins um, by saying, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him 
and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, when did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will tell them, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Okay. So, the people who met the need of the needy in this passage were not even aware that they had met the need the way Jesus understands that they met the need. It was such a small deal to them that they didn't even understand why, when, they didn't even remember when they did it. They didn't do any investigation of like, hey man, why are you hungry? Or why are you thirsty? Why are you without clothes? Why are you a stranger? Why? They didn't get into all of that. Why are you in prison? They didn't do that. They just recognized that somebody was hungry and gave something to eat. Recognized that somebody was thirsty. Recognized the need at the time and responded to the need at the time. And then... One could say uh, from this verse that, that this is speaking about the believers only because it says brothers and sisters of mine. But the mindset, not just the letter of what's said, but the mindset, the, the spirit of what's said is that when there's a need, God's people respond. Why, why should we have that mindset? Well, consider that there are billions of people on this planet and most of them are not Christians. But does God provide for those people? Does he care for those people? Do most of them have clothes? Do most of them have food or access to food? Do they thank him? Do they thank him for their health? Do they acknowledge him? No. Most people don't. It's, it's very easy, especially in our country, to take everything or many things for granted. And even some of our poor do. There have been, there have been times when we've been serving in places and people get indignant for being asked a question or being instructed, next time, can you do this? Um, because there is, there is a lot of help out here. So people can feel entitled, but that's not our problem. We're not going to be judged for other people's entitlement. But it looks like that there's going to be some scrutiny as to how we responded to need when it appeared. When it was in our power to do so, as James alludes to in his book, in his letter, how did we respond to the need? 
How did we respond to the need? James, he says this. He says, I'm going to just jump there. He says it in, 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 in chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but doesn't, does not have works? Can such faith, that kind of faith that has no works, can it save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace. The peace of God be with you. Stay warm. Be well fed. In Jesus' name, amen. But, he says, you don't give them what the body needs. What good is it? Responding to need is something that we do because God does it. God does it. Having been in position in the position of greatest need, God has opened for the believer. God has opened our eyes to our need for salvation and he's given us salvation. He's allowed us to see Jesus for who he is. And some of us can remember the life that we lived before being saved. And we, well, me, I'll just focus on myself. I wonder where in the world I would be if it hadn't been for the Lord stepping in when he stepped in. Having received deliverance from God, having received his care, puts me in a position that I want to express that care to others. So care is, is more than empathy. It's more than a feeling. It's care is empathy in action. Our care for others, and I'm kind of going back to 25 um, and, and the things I'm going to say now, but obviously James 2 is going to inform it as well. Our care for others in, temporal matter, in the temporal matters of this life is of eternal, is of personal eternal import to us in the next, based on Matthew 25, when the Lord comes in his glory with all his angels and he's on his throne. This passage lets us know that our response to need will be considered and it will be scrutinized. According to Matthew 25, there will be divine analysis of our treatment of the needy. Cold heartedness or apathy toward the poor could be an indicator that we're not the child of God that we think we are, if we're one at all. It's possible if you have coldness or apathy to the poor that you don't realize or remember or simply don't know the mercy of God toward you. It's possible that, like others mentioned in Scripture, that there is a form of godliness that denies the power of God. The power of God is not just expressed or, or it, don't, it doesn't only function, it doesn't merely or exclusively function in matters of criminality. So do you keep all the laws of this land? Or do you keep like the Ten Commandments? See, in the Ten Commandments, it doesn't tell you about what we read in Leviticus. It doesn't tell you God's heart for the poor, right? So I'm not, of course, I'm not downing the Ten Commandments. It's a summary 
right? But our uh, becoming like God is not just a matter of not doing the things that other people say, hey, you know, that's bad right there. But it's also a matter of increasingly being conformed into the image of Christ, right? And so if it is that, then there are other things that need to be expressed besides not doing, right? There's, when we talk about sanctification, there's the put off and there's the put on. Caring about the poor is the putting on the, the attitude of God towards his creation. Not just believers, but all of us. If it were just believers, who would be in here right now? I wouldn't be because I wasn't born a believer. I had the opportunity to share my testimony just off the random with some people on Friday and just being re-engaged with what life was like for me before salvation. It just, just, just illuminated for me once again God's care for me. And a person who's received that care, I think they cannot help but care for other people because God made that person who's acting that way, the way you don't like, well, like, I know y'all wasn't like this when y'all would say, but like I was one of those people toward somebody. I already know it. But God chose to save me, and God may choose to save that person. So I'm going to show them the love, the care of God, because they're in need. And when I have opportunity, I'm going to let them know where that care has come from. That's why sometimes I tell the people, hey, don't do anything bad. If I, if I wasn't a believer, I wouldn't give you anything because I wouldn't. It'd just be like, man, you, I'm sure there's a reason why you like that, and I'm not concerned about why, so uh, see you, man. I, uh, I'm out. One of the ways that faith finds is its expression through human beings is through care. And need, need, need nothing, nothing else is need. Need is the context for care. We don't have to be all sophisticated about it. We don't start at the sophistication. We don't start at, well, um, uh, you know, is there a father in the home? I don't, does he need it? Is there this, is it, what, no, what do they need that we have, that we can help with? If we can't help, that's different. But if we can help, the question is, is there a need? The question isn't the John 9, hey, who sinned? He was born blind. <laughs> was it his parents or was it not? No. Is there a need? And I'm not going to ask him, hey, man, yeah, uh, no, I'm going to help you. You can't see. You need help crossing the street. Why? Because if I was blind, I would want help. Or I would have the skill to listen to the, you know, the thing, the, the little sound that helps, you know, blind people to know you can cross now. But if there were, if there were none, if that, if that wasn't the case, if that wasn't available, then it becomes, well, there's me. I can help. So I told you I need, I'm, 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 I'm I, you know, I need to exercise. <clears throat> and I went to see uh, a friend's new home, and uh, on my way there, I saw these people that were older than me uh, pushing this man up a, up a hill. And you know they they were uh, 
They, they weren't my ethnicity. Um, but I'm like, man, you know, just the age they look. Let me just offer to help them. So I offered to help them. They didn't need my help. And they just kept it moving. But let people tell us they don't need our help. Let's not assume that, 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 that they don't. But let's offer because it communicates something about the heart of God. And even though I didn't help those people, I did help myself with a mindset to lean forward in caring for others. That's why as a church, when it comes to connecting with our community, we, we do whatever we can. We used to do a homework club. Can't do that now because of COVID. Um, we did some mentoring. Can't do that because of COVID. We were in, in Parkdale High School um, uh, pretty much daily. Can't do that because of COVID right now. Um, but we were able to have a small summer program here over the summer. Why? Why would we do that? Well, we would do that to help our community, right? We, we do back-to-school blasts. We, we distribute food. The last time we distributed food, I told you it was the most intense time we distributed food, but one of the things that made it super-duper intense was, well, first of all, we normally get boxes that we can just distribute real fast. This time, no boxes. Everything needed to be bagged up. And then, because we didn't have everything we normally have, somebody, <coughs> excuse me, pulled a string, and they got chicken donated. The chicken, unfortunately, wasn't like individually wrapped so you can give somebody, put chicken in the back. No, the chicken was in the box and it was like, like 10 chickens in the box and then in a the bag. And so people needed to open that bag, take the chicken out and then put it, separate it from the other and put it in another bag and then it could go. So that was a super laborious process that I'm glad I just was in charge. <laughs> remember, hot dogs, oodles and noodles, like just remember that about me, like your food. Like. When the team, the core team and I debriefed about it, first of all, the people who dealt with the chicken, they were all Solid Rock Church members. They were all, they weren't, you know, normally we have Students there, I'm glad there were no students there. There were very few students there. But, but they did like the, that was the grimiest work we've ever done with the food distribution. So much so that at the next one that's happening, we're advocating no chicken. No, no please do not send chicken. But it didn't fall short of the notice of the people on the core team that it was Solid Rock people who did that. They said numerous times, man, thank God for your volunteers. They worked as if they were giving that chicken to their own house, household. They, they, they got things together and they, they, they worked it out. But we do that food distribution to help other people. I make, the, make it known that we do have food distribution. Nobody from the church says, hey, I need anything. No one. So we're not doing it for our own health. We're doing it to serve others. Um, we, we have a, 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 a established nonprofit called the Metamorphosis Community Project um, that is just for serving the community. So that's some of what that's. These are things that the church has done to serve our community. What is the need? We've done ESL programs. We've done community dinners. 
Um, we have members of our church who right now are scheming to move into an apartment complex called Parkview Gardens so that they can be uh, so that they can be on the front lines of helping with the needs of refugees and immigrants. As I said, we, 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 we excel in this area by the grace of God, by the grace of God. And so I wanted to encourage you with that. This is not, I'm, I'm hoping that this isn't taken as corrective. No, it's meant to be like, okay, this is the need to care for the poor. Yes, these are ways that we care for those who are in need in our own uh, house, if you would. And these are things that we do to care for people who are not in our house, but who are outside and have need. Pretty much, I think, if you can think of it, we've done it as it relates to trying to care for the poor in our neighborhood. This is something that should be done not only as a church, but individually as well. There may be a neighbor that needs their, 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 their snow shoveled or their leaves raked. Or that may need a meal that had a surgery or something like that. Our disposition should be to express the disposition of God. And lastly, I'm going to close by, by I hope, showing you God's heart. Um, and this passage I did not share with the, with the team, so I'm not sure if it's going to be able to be projected. If not, would you turn in your Bibles or your Bible app to Acts chapter 17? This is Paul in Athens. Remember Athens? Um, Paul was agitated in his heart because he saw that the whole city was given over to idolatry, right? And so he, he, he's, he's agitated and, he, and he, he sees that and he, I guess I would imagine that he probably prayed for an open door. And at some point he gets an open door to share the gospel with the Athenians at a place called Mars Hill. And this is some of what he said to them beginning in verse 24. First of all, he had noticed that they had an, an altar that was made to the unknown God. So he starts telling them that, hey, I serve the unknown God. So he goes on and he says this, the God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they, may, they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as even some of your poets have said, for we are his offspring. Notice in verse 25 that it says that, the back half of it, that he himself, speaking of God, he himself gives. So he himself meets needs, right? He gives everyone life, he gives them breath. And what else does he give them? Huh? All things. That's what, that's what God does. He does it. Hmm. Why does he do it? 
verse 27. He does this so, it says, they might seek God. So God provides so that people might seek God. God makes himself known through provision so that people might, even if one, I think the King James might say that, that the people are groping for him. So, so they, 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 they're just like trying to find God. Like, where is this coming from? See, he does this. He provides so that they might seek him. And perhaps they might reach out, there's the groping part, and find him. But you know what? He's not far from each one of us. So God's provision, that's why in Romans 1 it says that the invisible things about God are clearly seen in the creation. Somebody did this, right? We don't, we have no doubt that someone built a housing community. We have no doubt that someone made an automobile. We have no doubt about many things that we see, but when it comes to nature, people have a brain freeze for some reason. But the invisible things about God are clearly seen in the things that have been created. And his provision for people is meant to, in some way, let people know there's an invisible hand that has given you what you have. And so we serve people so that people might know God. And we don't always, like at the food distribution, we don't always get to tell people what we're about. I mean, we, that's why we have shirts. Um, to kind of make a statement. And then there may be some people that, that I may know that I just kind of keep the conversation going with them. But there will come a time, and hopefully that time is going to be on uh, August 27th when we have our next distribution, which is also like a... Excuse, <coughs> excuse me. It's also... Um, excuse me. going to be where we give away our school supplies and do some other things so we'll have the opportunity to have extended conversations with them so that they will know who motivates us to do the things we do. That's God. And he doesn't just motivate us as if, hey, you go do this. This passage tells us in Acts 17 that he motivates us by showing us what to do because he gives everyone life and breath and all things, so that he even assigns where they are live, whatever, you know, verse 26, but he does this so that people might seek him. Through our care, we give people a glimpse into what God is like, not just each other, but people out there. So let's, in our service, as we consider the poor, let's pray for the poor, let's engage the poor. However, we have opportunity, um, may we also communicate with them, um, 
by communicating, I mean, let's let them know that we serve Jesus Christ, that we serve God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that that's what we're about, that that's the reason why we're out here, um, and that's the reason why we, why we care. That's the reason why we make ourselves available so that we can reflect him to everyone because he is caring, not just for his church, but he's caring for everyone through his provision of life, breath, and all things. So let's respond to the call to care for the poor. Thank you for how you have responded, and I'm confident that you will continue. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your provision for us. Thank you for noticing us I mean, out of all of the people in the world and people throughout history. Your word lets us know that before the foundation of the world that you chose us to be, you chose us in love to be in you. And so we want to thank you. We want to give you the glory for that. We want to thank you for being recipients of your care and being able to recognize that it's you who has been caring for us our entire life. Lord, we understand that there are people who um, are not yet in a church, are not yet in relationship with you, who will be. And maybe some of those people will come to be because they've experienced care from you through your church. Lord, we pray that you would make it so. Lord, we thank you for how you continue to care for us through the church. Lord, the many ways in which people have sought to serve each other, whether it's babysitting or uh, just going out together, whether it's fellowshipping, whether it's just a timely text or call. Lord, we thank you that you are in all those things. Lord, we ask you that you would meet the needs that are in our church, Lord. We ask you that you would please uh, let people, especially those who uh, are infirmed, Lord, please remind them that you are with them and that you never leave them nor forsake them, Lord. This would be physical infirmity or, or mental, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would please do this for your namesake. Lord, we ask, I ask you that you would help us to uh, increase our awareness of needs within the church. And at least, Lord, as we said last week, the first level of care is prayer. So, Lord, would you increase our prayer for those who are in need? And, Lord, would you move on our heart? to be vessels of honor for you and meeting their need. Lord, we ask you these things, Lord. Not anything new. I believe everyone in here knew, had read those passages before themselves. Everyone who knows you, who reads their Bible. None of the passages were obscure. Lord, thank you for the way we've responded. Help us to respond. Lord, not to a sermon by a man, but to your word in the manner in which we ought to. In Jesus' name I pray and I thank you. Amen. Thank you for that message. Um, if you have any questions, please text them to 240 623-8076.
um, for announcements this week. We have a pretty slow month since it is sabbatical, but we have our second installation this Wednesday of Doctrine of Providence led by Dr. Carl Sanders. So that is at 7 p.m. You can sign up for that in church center. We will be live and in person. So feel free to come to church. And that will also be live streamed online. And as Mike has mentioned, on August 27th, we have our Back to School Expo from 12 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. You can register to help and attend that as well on Church Center. And we have a couple of birthday shout-outs to a couple of members. Happy birthday to Harrison and happy birthday to Sheena. Now for Q&A. Who, who was the second person? Sheena. Sheena, okay. Yeah. Happy birthday, Sheena. <laughs> and Harrison. Um, all right, our first question. This question's a little bit difficult, so I apologize um, if I chopped your question up. But how do you address confrontation with um, unbelievers, agnostic or atheists, when it comes to giving, when you would typically give in secret so they won't see you often giving. Can you read that question again? How do you address confrontation with agnostic or atheists um, when they em implore you to give, but you, your giving is typically in secret because the you know God tells you to not know what you're let no one see what you're doing for it to be done in secret. Um, I'm not sure I understand the question, so I'm sorry about that. Um, but when it comes to um, people like imploring me to give or a person to give, um, I mean, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with giving and people know you gave. There's not, there's not anything in scripture that says don't do that. Um, I think the, you know, when you think about what the, that, that uh, imagery of one hand not knowing what the other is doing, remember that, that the context of that passage was that the people who were doing those activities were like, hey man, I'm about to get this offering. Go ahead and blow it. Go ahead and play this guitar for me right quick so everybody knows that I gave it. So, so it's the equivalent of like if you go to um, a restaurant and you give a tip or a place like like Cold Stone, um, every time you give a tip, they'll sing something or they'll like ring a bell or something. So the thing is that you're not trying to give what you're giving out of a uh, full recognition. So it's more of a, of a heart than a practice because I don't think God would, um, I don't see anything in scripture that says that you cannot give if other people know. But again, the context of that was people giving uh, with a with a mindset to impress other people with the fact that they were that they were given. So I hope I answered that question. I'm not sure where the agnostic and the other categories of people come in at. So that's what I'm. Um, but I think there's there there's nothing in scripture that prohibits giving and people knowing you gave. Some people do that when they support one you. You know I mean they they need to know they have donors. So you know it's not prohibited, but um. But, you know, I understand the practice of giving anonymously, and that is um, scriptural. But I think that's more of a state of the heart rather than just like, hey, you can't give, um, and people know that it was you. 
All right. Next question, does God require us to give money to someone in need if we know the reason for the person's need is because a continual embrace of sin? Or could caring, giving to the needy also include boundaries and tough love, not enabling sin by giving money? Um, yeah, I think that uh, I'm a tough love type of person, so, so um, I, I definitely have no problem with, with tough love. Um, I, I definitely think in, in situations, I would imagine that the context of such a question is, you know, you know this person, um, you have a relationship with them, you know their life, you have details of what they might, what they might use money for. So let's say if, it, if there was a drug addict that, um, that was asking me for money and I knew they were a drug addict, I, I, I think, you know, I'm not trying to have any part in anyone else's sin. So Paul tells Timothy um, that, that he shouldn't lay hands on anyone, uh, you know, uh, suddenly because in doing so, if he, uh, uh, if, he, if he ordains someone before their time, he could end up participating in their sins. So that's not a, 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 a principle or concept that's like, you know, hand over, over fist like, you know, um, just throughout scripture, but that passage would be one that tells me like, okay, there is a way for me to unwittingly um, be a part of other people's sins. And so if my money is going to go toward the participation of those things, there's no way I'm going to do it. Uh, there's no way I'm going to give to that because I don't want anything to do with, oh, I gave you money and you OD'd and you died. I, I, don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Now, there may be other ways for me to serve that person um, you know, like what they would use money for if I knew that. Um, so if I knew that they needed to use money to get food, then I, I can bring them a meal. Like that. So, so that, that's a way that we can respond is that we can, we can give uh, toward the actual need rather than giving money. And even as it relates to um, things we've done in terms of helping people, um, like there might be certain controls we put in place where um, I'm not talking about our members, I'm talking about the community. So these are people we don't know as well. But if someone says they're about to be evicted, they never get a check written directly to them. So if Mike Dixon needed, like, I'm about to be evicted, uh, Solid Rock Church wouldn't give him a check. Solid Rock Church would give K management, or they, they give other people the money so that it goes to that which the person is, needs, not what they want. So, um, so yeah, I, I would not, if I knew someone were doing something bad with my money, I wouldn't give it to them. I would, and, and I've even done this when people, this is me personally, um, somebody might be like, hey, can I have some money? You know, normally I don't even carry cash, so it's like, I don't, I don't have money. But then it, hey, do you need something to eat? Because usually it's like when you're going somewhere, um, where food is there too, 7-Eleven or something like that. So do you need something to eat? And if they say yes, then I can buy them something to eat, right? So um, I do think there should be, there is a level of wisdom that goes, especially if you know people, you know their lives, um, then, then it's not just you trusting God. Then you know. So then you do have a responsibility 
to, you know, allow what you're doing to be for the good and not for the bad of that person. Thank you, thank you. Mental health is a big concern in the poor and homeless community. What scripture can encourage us to help serve those who suffer from mental health issues? Well, I wouldn't. I, we, we know that God tells us in, in Philippians chapter 4 that we shouldn't. And I mean, obviously, the, not only is it the big issue, but it's a big spectrum as well, right? It's, there's like such a spectrum of regarding mental health that I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm just going to talk about anxiety right now because I know the passage where it tells us, you know, that we're not supposed to be anxious for anything, right? So I, I think we see that God doesn't want his people to, to be anxious. He also gives instruction, you know, that we should um, pray with thanksgiving and make our petition known to him um, and that, you know, his, the, 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 the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard our hearts and minds. <clears throat> so, um, right now, no specific passages come to mind specifically regarding mental health. Um, but I, I, I do think the passages that just talk about need, I mean, if there's a need, then you respond to it as best you can. So if someone is in need of a conversation, if someone like the brother, like there was a brother who uh, asked me for money at some point during the pandemic, and I gave him money because I saw him going from car to car, and I was like, I ain't giving him no money. But then I was like, man, what kind of junk is that? So I gave him money. But then he just started talking to me. And so I started talking back. And then when he left, and I don't think it was a lot of money. It was like the change in my, in my little area in my car. The brother said, thank you. And thank you for talking to me. I really appreciate that because it's lonely out here. And it's like, I, you know, I didn't know that, that well, that's what was needed for him. Um, but he really enjoyed the conversation. So I think as it relates to mental health, it's like any need. There's no need to categorize, for real. If this person has a need that I can that I can meet, if they're feeling down and they need to be cheered up, then I'm trying to cheer you up, my brother. You know, um, if they if they need a, an ear to listen, then I'm going to listen. If they need a ride somewhere to where they can get more, uh, you know, more qualified help, then then I'm I'm trying to help them. Um, so I think rather than parsing out need. And we'll, you know, we'll get to mental health specifically. That's the last, last one we'll, we'll do. Um, and the, the spectrum is just so large as it relates to mental health. Um, but I think the posture is where you, where you begin. Um, and the posture is how can I help? And if I can't help, um, do I know of any resources that may be able to help? And by God's grace, um, people are starting to send me some, some resources um, that, that can be of help for us. We do hope that eventually um, that, you know, for anyone who is desirous, that we find ways to um, not, we don't want this to just be a sermon series and like, oh yeah, we heard about care. But, but we're about like, what now shall we do? So, um, so we do have our, our uh, biblical counseling team that's, that's, that's coming up. Um, we, we have caring individuals off in our church anyway. Um, but we want to find out how do we mobilize ourselves 
so that we can address these issues, including mental health, in a more strategic and a more knowledgeable manner than just, I know that there's mental health issues. Um, but so I hope to be able to, um, you know, maybe there's some passages that come to mind later and I'll see who asked the question and if I have their contact information, I'll, I'll uh, send it. Um, or maybe that's something that that team, uh, you know, a team discovers or that someone has and can send it and let me know. That'd be, that'd be great. Um, yeah. Awesome. You mentioned that we were too far into redemptive history to consider selling our land for the poor as prescribed in, in Acts. How should we process how much time has passed in redemptive history when we read scripture? Hmm, that's a great question. Hmm, time is, 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 it can seem like it's subjective. So I think um, in answering that question, I, you know, I, I alluded to why I made this statement, and that is that we've seen people, when I say too far into redemptive history, I mean like people have used that passage in an abusive manner to like get everything from everyone and then the pastor's a dictator or he, probably not even a pastor anymore just like he he is a dictator he's a Jim Jones or something like that um so I think um what we do uh in those when it comes to like redemptive history um is it you know, before or after the cross in terms of like, I'm thinking about how to process my Bible. Um, is Jesus the fulfillment of this particular passage is, again, how I'm reading my Bible. Um, so there are epics, epic situations in scripture, right? There, there are covenants within scripture as well. Um, we are living in the last days ever since Jesus ascended, ever since he uh, rose. We're living in the last days. Peter alludes to that when he preaches in Acts chapter 2. Um, so I think as it relates to what we see in the book of Acts that we could say, hey, we're supposed to do this and do that. I think there's some wisdom in saying, okay, well, wh what are the, you know, how are people apply this in history and what's the positive I can learn from it and what's the negative? So the negative is such that I would say based on what we've seen since that passage was written and could be read, that it's probably safer for people to give um, money the way we do now um, and not have you coming in and putting money at my and Kurt's feet. Um, just all of that is just like, it's too wonderful for me. So it's like, no, nah, no, nah, we don't need that. But should people give? Definitely. So it's, so the, the principle of giving, the principle of sacrifice isn't, isn't gone, but it's not prescribed. It doesn't say every church has to do this. So therefore we can say, well, we, we don't have to do that. We can look at the way people have um, abused that and say, you know what, we, we, we don't want to do it that way. But the principle of giving, well, that doesn't, that hasn't changed. So there are principles that, that definitely, you know, continue on and we should apply. And, and, there, but, and then there are specific things that it says do and don't do. Um, if it's not a do and don't do, then there's, okay, what's the principle? And then how is, what's, then there's the wisdom of having seen history play out and say, you know what? I think we're going to do it this way 
so as to avoid any appearance of evil on our part. So those are some of the ingredients that go into like why I made this statement. But when it comes to reading our Bibles, I think, you know, we look we look back from the cross. Um, that's that's how we in, in, in Jesus, his resurrection, um, that lets us know that we're in the last days. So the last days is definitely an application for us currently. From an uh, apologetics perspective, how does Christian volunteering and giving differ from a highly engaged, good moral person who regularly serves in their community and is generous with their time and money? Yeah, I think like so many, so many things that can be that can be hard to just like say in term that can be hard to recognize. But the thing that makes everything different is the reason why we do what we do. Right. Not ex what we do. I mean, anyone it's probably on many people doing this, but but anyone can choose uh, in, in, a, in a, you know, dating relationship to to remain pure just because they they want they want to. Theoretically, they can do that, right? Um, you know, Christians try to do that for the glory of God, right? So our service is for the glory of God. It's because of the Lord that I'm doing it. So that would be like why I say, look, I'm not just a person giving you money. I'm giving you this money because I follow Jesus Christ. So now the person may not care, but at least they know why. And we don't always have the opportunity to do that. Um, so sometimes it's... Um, it's not going to be obvious to the people that are on looking, but we know why we're doing it. And hopefully the reason why we're doing it um, gets to be expressed in some context. So that's why for us, it's like, OK, well, let's get these shirts that have some scripture on it. Let's, you know, this, so something so that, you know, like, oh, oh, that's a church. But I think there's no way that if if you put if you have no um, no T-shirt on and two people are doing the same thing. And they don't say anything. There's no way you can, you can tell. But I do think it behooves us that when we have the opportunity to make a statement that we're very clear as to why we do it. But all along the way in our hearts, we know that this is not just distributing food. This is an act of worship to God. You know, and so I'm going to do it with a good attitude. I'm going to do, I'm going to, you know, open that chicken and I'm going to just have, do it with joy. Um, now, can other people see that? Yeah, but they don't know what the reason for the joy, right? Um, Therefore, again, and last, because the horse is dead, um, we, when we get the opportunity to share why we do what we do, we should seize that opportunity and be very clear. Does caring for the poor include animals or caring for under-resourced environments in nature? I think um, caring for those contexts can be, you know, it, 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 it I'm excuse me, hold on, I don't like the way I say that. Um, so I think the expression of care that a person has um, for God's creation, um, that there's a way in faith I think someone could get to that. I wouldn't be like, hey man, y'all better care for them feral cats in your neighborhood. Like, I'm not, you're not going to hear me say that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not really an animal person anyway, but um, but that doesn't have anything to do with the answer. The answer is, <laughs> is that 
again, it's aligned with the, with the last question. Like, the reason why we do what we do is so key to caring for our creation, caring for animals and things like that. Because um, we are, if we go back to, you know, to the creation mandate, there is a responsibility for humanity to care for God's creation. And there is, um, you know, dominion that we're supposed to be exercising. And so I think, you know, you have to make a few connections, but you can, in faith, just do that to the glory of God and because of the care of God. Even the, speaking of feral cats, I mean, like, we have, in the house that I moved from, um, we had some cats there. And, and some kind of way they, they would eat, you know, I mean, some kind of way they, they were being provided for in terms of they eat. They might have some diseases, but they was eating, though. You know, they may not have had that medical care, but they, they were eating. So, so God was providing for them, too. So I think, you know, you could. Now, would I? Um, yeah, I've already said I'm not an I'm not a, a, a animal person, so we'll just move on from. But I think someone can, in faith, do those things to the glory of God and it be part of God's expression of care through them. It just probably wouldn't be me. I'll say that. <laughs> And this is the last question. Is God or Jesus a capitalist or a socialist slash communist or a carefully balanced mix of both? So I think I know who sent that question in. And I think um, I don't think you can hear people laughing, but people are laughing. So I'm going to do something different. Ha ha. Ha. Yeah. Okay. How many people think, raise your hands, that God is capitalist? All right. How many? What, what, was, the second, what was the second one? Communist or socialist? Raise your hand. All right. All right. And the last one was or some kind of mix of both? A balanced mix of both. Yes. Thank you. No hands went up on that one. Two hands went up. One for communist socialists. One for capitalists. <laughs> there is no political system at all that exists that can quantify what God is. None at all. All of the, the, the systems, they're man-made systems to do what they think is best. So God doesn't fall within those categories. Those, ca those categories may attempt to be an expression of him, but he supersedes all labels. And so he does what he wants to provide and to care for his creation in the best way, meaning like the best, like it's the ultimate best way that can be done. But he's not, he can't be hamstrung or, handcuffed to our labels, he does what is good for creation, for humanity, and one day all of that's going to culminate to us living with him face to face. So he supersedes all of those labels. So let's remember that when we're caring for people, that our care should supersede any label. What are you... No, I'm not that. Oh, you were that? No, I'm not that. I'm a believer. I'm following Jesus Christ. Right. Jesus didn't align himself 
politically, right? He didn't. But he told us how we should live through his word. And caring for the poor is one way that we can be reflective of what he tells us to do. So let's do that with hardiness. Uh, and let's do that with joy. And thank you for participating. And thank you for answering the question. Thank you for helping me out that way. You guys have a wonderful uh, week. Oh, I'm sorry. Did we... Um, was there an announcement for the women's ministry? There, there should be one, though, right? Should there be one? Okay. So what's the date? Karen, you don't know? August 29th. August 29th? Okay, you got it. At 3.30 to 5.30? 1.30 to 5.30. 1.30 to 5.30, where at? At Strome Hills Park in Greenbelt. Strome Hills Park in Greenbelt. So it's Women's Fellowship in the Park. Um, that's off of Hanover Parkway. Um, that's, I think it was August 29th um, from 1.30 to 5.30. And um, RSVP online. RSVP online. Don't forget to RSVP also for the um, back to school, uh, the, the expo. And uh, thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a wonderful one. Hopefully see you next week.